Welcome to How to Save Your Marriage with Nicola Beer, a show full of tips and practical strategies to repair, rebuild, and strengthen your relationship. If you are currently stuck wondering if your marriage can be saved, or you know you want to save it but don't know how to go about changing it, this show is for you. And now here is your host, Nicola Beer, who specializes in a proven 10-step program to help couples increase their love, passion, and happiness in their marriage in 30 days or less, guaranteed. Hi and welcome. I'm going to be talking to you today about a really interesting topic that comes up again and again in relationship issues, and that's money, money arguments. And more specifically, the seven ways to stop money arguments from destroying your relationship. Money arguments and problems are one of the most significant factors that can lead to divorce, according to numerous studies. Research by Kansas State University found that this is because money arguments decrease relationship satisfaction and are harder to move on from than other marriage arguments. If one spouse is more reckless, frivolous and carefree with money, whichever way you look at it, and the other is more cautious, tight and careful, conflict can arise. These differences can ruin a relationship in the best of times, but when you add to the mix financial stress, unemployment and a negative economy, it can lead to divorce. Financial issues often trigger feelings of shame and fear, which can lead to angry outbursts or withdrawal that further destroys the connection. So, in order to help you move forward, here are seven ways to protect your marriage and stop divorce caused by money arguments and financial conflict. The first one is to overcome any deep-rooted issues causing money arguments. For many people, and I have to say I'm one of them, money has a powerful influence on me. Not in the sense that I'm materialistic, as I can easily and happily live on little, if the circumstances dictate, But I used to get really anxious and stressed when I lost money and worry about not having enough in the future when I didn't need to. My financial fears relate back to my childhood where I witnessed the pain a lack of finances caused the family. It destroyed my mum's happiness who was forever stressed, angry and always very strict with money because she had to be. A lack of money also led to constant bitter rows between my parents. The money arguments only got worse after they divorced. I learned a lack of money equals pain and you must avoid it at all costs. Even if that meant overworking or being tight on yourself to save. If you grew up not having much money to live on, struggled in your college or university years or had brief periods or even long periods of unemployment, A lack of money may literally freak you out, like it used to really freak me out, where it impacts every area of your life, including your ability to sleep and function. The worry may be so great that you just can't relax, becoming easily irritable or too controlling as a result, which for obvious reasons can cause a great deal of tension to family life because no one wants to be around someone controlling or uptight. The pressure can increase if your spouse spends money in a very differently to you, or you experience periods 
of financial stress. The opposite is also true though, I have to say. You could have a financially difficult childhood and become a spendthrift, lavishly buying gifts for your family or for yourself and spoiling your children, spoiling your loved ones. This was what happened to my sister. So we had exactly the same upbringing. She's two years older than me and she decided that she wanted to, to have all the things that she never had as a child and that she wanted her children to have all the things that she never had. And so she then has racked up a lot of credit card debt. And then I'm complete opposite, so scared of not having enough money that I would overwork myself. And so getting the balance is crucial, and that's why overcoming any deep-rooted issues is key. And this is what I help a lot of couples change when they come to me for marriage support. We look at where are their money patterns coming from and what do they need to know, what do they need to let go, how can they heal this area and become free and then be more in the middle. And I'm talking about couples that come to me where there's extreme, where there's a spending addiction, where there's lavish spending when they don't have the finances to do that or where someone is being too financially controlling. And it's always to do with some past events, circumstances, or some learned behavior that we learned in our past. It doesn't have to be childhood. It can be something that happens to us, a significant emotional event later on in life, or something that's happened to someone close to us that we witnessed. And if you grew up where money was really plentiful, you also may continue to spend like that. Because in your mind, there's never ever an issue with money. Money is abundant, money is plentiful, there'll always be enough. And this can also cause a lot of arguments to be between couples if someone is spending like they have lots of money and they don't have lots of money. So it's really key to be aware of your own and your partner's money history and work out a way forward. I personally had to do some healing and coaching work to clear my money fears and blocks so that it didn't cause stress in my love life. So that's the first one. The second one is share debt and be honest about poor spending habits. All relationships require transparency and trust and in the area of finance this is crucial. If you can be open about your financial habits and any debt then you have a far greater chance of working through them. When Katie and Mark got married, Mark didn't share that he had credit card debts owing 30,000 US dollars, mainly because he was ashamed and knew that he would somehow handle it. But for Katie, his hiding felt like a deceit, which really hurt her and the relationship. I've also helped couples to reconcile after years of financial cheating later in the marriage and it's certainly not an easy path to rebuilding faith, trust, and closeness. The safest way is to be open and honest right at the start. The third thing you can do to stop money arguments from hurting your relationship is to agree when and if savings are touched. If one of you has spent years or decades building savings and the other starts eating away at them, it may destroy respect and even love. Savings are a sign of sacrifice for a greater purpose 
And seeing them wasted without permission or agreement can be soul-destroying for some. So it's important to take that into consideration and to bear that in mind. Number four is adopt a policy of joint agreement. As soon as you start to pull your money together, it's important to set some rules around independent spending. Some couples have a limit they can spend without sharing, and others have a joint account and keep their own access to separate money. You need to determine what works best for you and at what price point that you're going to talk to each other about a purchase. Making decisions together also helps prevent controlling behavior. No one wants to be controlled and both deserve an opinion, even if one is not earning. And this is what I see again and again, where let's say the husband is working, then the wife gets no financial control because she's not earning. Or similarly, it can work the other way where a wife is the main breadwinner or the sole breadwinner and the, the husband doesn't get a say in where the money is going. And that's not a partnership. Both deserve to have a say in, in what happens to the joint money. It can really damage a relationship as well if one person demands to keep track of all the money and won't let the other person even know about the financial status, even know where it's going, what's happening, how the money is being spent. I had another couple that I was working with and the husband refused to let his wife know what was exactly the, the financial in, incoming and outgoings. And she felt very frustrated at this and it was causing a lot of distress in their relationship and a lot of arguments. And so once we managed to share okay, the impact that it's having on the relationship, they came to an agreement. And really, he just wanted to increase the money and he was hoping that by the time he shared with her the money that they had, that they would have a lot more. And it was really to protect his feeling of feeling shame, of feeling failure. Also, the way that she was acting was very scared and very anxious. So we looked at where, where are these reactions coming from and then we created a solution for them to move forward and have that transparency. And now they make all of their financial decisions together and it's made a huge impact because financial issues are huge in a relationship, just like children and in-laws and sex. Those are the four key areas where a lot of relationships can get into trouble. So financial is definitely a really important one. Another financial controlling behaviour is also to criticise each other's decisions. You can avoid this by, by adopting a policy of joint agreement where you keep talking until you agree on finances or when you can compromise. Because if you do this, if you discuss financial decisions, then you're going to lower the risk of resentment and of fights and, and arguments occurring. Number five is to keep your financial agreements. So basically, if you're responsible for paying certain amount of bills in your relationship, you've got to stick to it. If you're responsible for saving some money, if you're responsible for the birthday presents and the Christmas presents, then sticking to the budget, sticking to what you've agreed is really key. Otherwise, you can hurt each other by not agreeing and not sticking to your side of what you said you're going to do. Also, you can damage your partner and the family's credit 
ratings if you're getting into debt on things that you said you would pay and this can lead to further fallout. Number six is to create financial goals and a plan together. Most of us have dreams for where we want to live and travel to, what objects and experience will symbol a well-lived life to us. And when couples figure out how much they want to save and what their future goals are together, it can often bring them closer together. Without discussing dreams and goals, finances can often lead to more conflict, meaning your closeness will take a hit. Because when we talk about finances, we're talking mainly about our dreams. And unmet dreams can lead to dissatisfaction. Shared dreams can lead to really strong connection, love and happiness. So it's key to support each other in your dreams. And that's a beautiful one. Dream sharing and planning can be a really enjoyable activity. Take yourself to a nice restaurant or a nice coffee shop. Sit there and really relax. Set some really empowering goals of what you want to have in your life moving forward or how you're going to get out of debt and then what you're going to do when you get out of debt if that's your circumstance at the moment. And number seven is change what is not working. If the way your finances are being handled is causing strain and distance between you then change it. Having worked with countless couples now adopting a new strategy can literally save the marriage. If one is getting stressed with all the tracking and paying of bills split the responsibility or hand over control. If lack of communication around finances is igniting fear or resentment, create regular financial meetings. If saving is difficult for you, get a savings plan and be sure to educate yourself first on the saving plans that work. If a joint account or pooled savings is not working, discuss and try a new way of working it. In summary, The best way to avoid money arguments is to be transparent, open, create a budget and understand each other's money personality, family history and dreams. And then try to align your money values. Couples that have similar money values have a lot less drama in this area. Although you don't have to match each other identically, there is growth in differences as long as you're both willing to adapt and consider each other's history because relationships are there to grow us we pick our partner to grow and we learn and we grow and we develop as a result of being in a relationship I know that I've learned to grow a lot from past relationships and my current relationship is trying to find that middle ground and also realizing that your way may not always be the right way and their way may not always be the wrong way and trying to to reach some compromise. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this. I love supporting in this area, so do get in touch with me if you have any questions or you would like to book a free Save Your Marriage consultation with me where we can look at any areas that you're struggling with at the moment and devise ways to, to save them. And also, if you haven't checked out my webinar, then join that. I'm going to put the link below. It's a 60 to 90 minute talk that I give on how to really save a marriage. I talk about how to communicate to motivate, how to create more love in the relationship and how to eliminate the two silent relationship killers, 
which is negativity and resentment. So if you're interested in that, the link will be below. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here with me. Obviously, I wish that we could be meeting under different circumstances, but I'm pleased that you're here because you're a person that takes action and it's only action that can really transform a relationship and get back that closeness. So have a wonderful week ahead and looking forward to connecting with you again in another podcast. Thank you for listening to How to Save Your Marriage with Nicola Beer. To book your free Save My Marriage consultation, please visit www.savemymarriageprogram.com forward slash consult. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Nicola would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever app you're listening through so the show stays visible, allowing more people to get the support they need to increase their love, passion, and happiness.